1: for free. So the objective of this episode is to give you or inform you about some free resources to learn web development. And the idea was this episode is going to launch right smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. So a day after Boxing Day, I believe it is. And so you're probably, you know, hanging out with family, doing what you do, or just sitting there thinking about your New Year's resolution. And I thought that a bunch of people might be either wanting to code right now or learning to code or you're thinking about it. Or they might be like, you know what, I want a new career in the new year, and so as of Jan 1, 2024, I'm going to start learning some coding skills to get a new career, or I'm going to build an app that I've always wanted to build, and I am going to, I want to build it myself as a hobby or a business or whatever it is. So these free resources will allow you to basically go in and learn a little bit of web development, or actually a lot of web development. You can build an app for yourself. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon Leave a review a rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server. Share this with your friends. And remember, we do have a Scrimbo link. It gives you a discount on their subscription plans. Go check that out. The link will be in our show description. If your podcast app supports hyperlinks, if it does not, it will also be on htmlallthethings.com. So I have an introduction here. This is my episode because I thought, you know what? Like, let's do something timely because, you know, obviously Mike and I will do timely episodes here and there, but more or less, we're kind of teaching you concepts or talking about things that we've experienced and that type of thing. But I think it's important because if you're sitting around or like sitting around on the holidays and sometimes people get antsy and they're like, man, I got a lot of free time. I, you know, I want to be gaming and hanging out with family, but that's tonight, you know, like what am I doing all day and whatever. So maybe it's a little bit of web development, maybe just even dipping your toe in and you're like, what is this web development thing is what you want to do. And my first tip on how to, or my first resource, I guess it is, on how to get learning, get get started learning web development is actually a bit of a weird one, and it is free templates. Now, before I get into it, I actually want to discuss my inspiration for this, which is kind of funny. We've been posting memes on our TikTok, on our Instagram, and on our YouTube, and I've been posting a course, because it's part of the web development scene, WordPress memes, And sometimes the response is positive and kind of more often than not, lately, it's been negative, like, ah, WordPress is for noobs. It's for people that don't know how to code this and that. And I wanted to do an episode on whether or not it makes sense for you to use templates. Like, are templates ever the answer for a project? Because I think a lot of people out there have that question. Some people are all about templates. It's, you know, makes things fast. Some people are like, ah, templates are are coded like garbage. You know, is that true? Is that not true? And so I kind of wanted to have that discussion. But then I thought, like, if you use a free template, whether it's coded well or not, it really is an already built site that you can use to learn off of. And so that's the inspiration for this episode. And so that's exactly what I'm what that's exactly what I'm about to get into. And that is that you find a free template. Maybe it's an HTML and CSS template, let's say. Maybe it's a WordPress template, whatever. And you are able to dig into the code of it, like you have access to the code of it. It's not like some compiled EXE somehow. If <laughs> you are able to do a bunch of things with it, you're able to obviously see it in action, and you can try and mimic what the template has already made. So you might go, "Oh, okay, you know, at 667 pixels wide, you know, the the nav bar goes from a list of nav items down to a Navicon hamburger menu." And I want to try to mimic that. And if you have any coding skills and you're familiar with that, then you can go and do that. If you're not sure, it's a good question to ask. You can ask ChatGPT, you can ask Bing slash Copilot, you can ask Google, you can ask a friend, and you can say, hey, you know, what is it that controls this thing? Once the screen gets down to this size, how do I do that? And that starts the conversation. That starts the conversation about responsive web development. It starts your research on responsive web development. And it gets you thinking about things. And the reason why free templates are interesting in this way is because they're designed for production. And so if you think, really think about it, somebody made this free template, probably for money, whether there's ads on the page that you downloaded it from, or commonly many web agencies will actually build internal tools for their developers, including templates. And then they will release those templates for free out to the public And then people will be able to use them. And then they remember, oh, you know, so-and-so web agency gave me this. I'm having trouble with the nav bar. I'm going to call so-and-so web agency. And so it's a kind of a lead generator as well. And so somebody made this template for money, meaning that they did it, you know, in a professional setting. And so if you're able to mimic what a template does and get it working, that's a huge step in you potentially getting a job or working professionally in the web dev space. Because like again, a template is a professional tool. It is something that people use like it or hate it. and I'm sure we'll have that episode like I said, like my other episode idea of like whether you should ever use a template in the future, I would imagine. But if you're really stuck and you're like, man, I don't know like I can't get this thing to work, I just don't know what this is. one thing you can do is again, if you have access to the code is you can reverse engineer the sections that you're unsure about. So if you say, you know this button, has this weird shadow on it but you know it it when i hover over it the shadow gets darker so it's a bit interactive but i don't see that in the html where is that and so you can go in and try to break things you can go into the html and you know kind of double check to see if you were wrong hey maybe it's here maybe it's there no it isn't oh okay well on, this on click thing is firing something and it's like says you know use shadow with two brackets what is that Look that up. Oh, it's a function. Oh, okay. Functions in JavaScript. Okay. Where's my JavaScript? And you get led down that rabbit hole to eventually finding the solution. And you can, of course, one of the common ways to learn many things, including development, is to go in and break things. So you go in there and you go, I want to make this shadow, you know, really big for some reason. Something that, you know, outrageous. I want to make this shadow really big on hover. And you do that and you think, oh, okay, here we go. Oh, but it's really janky. Why is that? Oh, I removed the transition. So hang on. I do need a little CSS because I remove that transition from the CSS and you get led down these rabbit holes and you get led down these different things. And you learn how the shadows work, how the interactivity works. Can you do it with just CSS? How have they done it? And this is another thing is can you improve what they did? So maybe they did this hover effect with JS and you think, you know what? That's inefficient. All the research that I've seen has recommended that I do this with CSS. Can I remove this function, get rid of this on click and actually just do it in CSS with a hover? Can I do that? And you can mess with that, see the limitations, see maybe why they did it in JS. Maybe you did actually improve what they did. And the reason why I mention improving is because, yes, these free templates are out in the open and they are, you know, generally for professional use, depending on their license. But in reality, there's kind of a, I don't know, I want to call it an urban legend. I don't think that's the right word, but there is like an, uh, a semblance of, some people think that templates are always made really poorly. And I'm sure there's a lot of templates out there that are made really poorly. They're made very quick, especially if they're free. but There's a reason why sometimes they're not made all that well or like seemingly not made all that well. And that's because they're general. They're a generalized tool. And when you start getting more generalized, you start having problems. It's one of the reasons why people back in the day, like say 2013, used to avoid jQuery sometimes because let's say their site was five megabytes. It would go up. I'm just making up numbers for the sake of this audio show, but it would go up to say 10 megabytes, and you're like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And it's like, well, I'm adding jQuery into the mix. And jQuery is this huge thing, but I'm only using it to open and close my nav bar. I'm not using like 99% of what jQuery is possible of. So why don't I just do it in pure JS or CSS or a combination of the two and just avoid jQuery altogether? But again, when you're you're talking a generalized tool, them adding jQuery and only using it for one thing may make sense because if with jQuery's popularity back in the day people are going to want to add, remove, modify the template to their needs and they may just instantly without even thinking reach for jQuery. So in an isolated environment, it jQuery maybe is a bad bad idea, but in the idea of shipping it included with a tool, it makes sense. WordPress is the same way, there's a lot of things in WordPress that, you know, you maybe will never touch. Maybe you'll never touch their full site, their full site editing feature, and you'll go for Elementor. But let me tell you what: that full site editing feature is still in there. It's still in your site. It's still a part of your package. It's still a part of your program. And this is again another thing you're going to start learning. You're going to start learning a little bit about file structure and those type of things. Now, Mike, you've you've also mentioned there's something called a front end mentor. Why don't you tell us about what that is?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and also on top of that. Uh I'm going to link a resource called htmlrev.com, which has like a thousand free templates that you can go through. So it'll make it easy for you to find a template that you want to kind of mimic and check and stuff like that. Uh, it also breaks down the templates based on technology. So it'll have like just HTML templates and then it'll have like tailwind, bootstrap, Vue, svelte react, like next JS. Like it'll, so you can, if you want to learn like next JS or something after you've learned regular HTML, CSS, then you can jump to that and use this kind of same method on any technology stack that you want uh, following their best practices of the template. So it's a good resource. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, and it's going to be in the, in the show notes, htmlrev.com. And the next thing I want to talk about, like Matt mentioned, frontendmentor.io. Uh, this is something that my friend Kevin, uh, he used this to kind of get up and running with both design and HTML and CSS. The way that he kind of Went about it, and I asked him and kind of probed him on how he went through it. He is—he essentially would go to the site. They would have little snippets of UI elements, like a, a authentication, you know, menu or like uh, like a login screen kind of thing, or like a, a three tier pricing model screen, like little little snippets of an app where it's a really cool design. And what they force you to do is they force you to kind of recreate it based on a design that they give you in HTML and CSS. And then they'll also give you the code once you recreate that design so that you can kind of compare what you've done to the code that they've already written for it. So you can, again, you have that opportunity to write code, which is super, super important when you're creating something or when you're learning. And you have the opportunity to verify that what you've wrote is similar, or maybe you can learn something from an implementation that's other than yours. Because no matter what you do, even if you write it perfectly, there's gonna be little differences on how someone else would do that thing. Not to say that every time, they do it better. Like you might do something better than them, but it's cool to see a different perspective and a different view on how they do it. So he used this kind of in the way that like he learned design by seeing well-constructed elements. Like most of frontendmentor.io has like good designs that have been vetted by multiple different designers, right? So you know, you can kind of trust that what they're showing you is a good UX pattern. So he learned design that way. And then he learned HTML and CSS by recreating those designs. And when you recreate something, you start to understand how it kind of works from both a UI UX perspective and that could the code perspective. So it's a good way to kind of enhance and, and solidify your knowledge.
1: This is a similar method too. I, I forget the YouTuber. If, if I if I remember the YouTuber, I'll I'll put the link in the in the show notes. But I remember there was a YouTuber you sent me, Mike, where he, he made some pretty, pretty cool looking stylized videos. But the, the point of the matter is that he was taking existing cool ui things like a menu that would spin or something cool and then he would make them but piecemeal on the on in the videos he'd be like oh you know let's try to make it spin oh we need to translate but the translate's not working why is that oh maybe because it's in 3d and then he would you know yada 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 continue continue and it wouldn't just be hyperplexed here hyperplexed that's it hyperplexed i'll link it yeah we'll link it in the show notes for sure but yeah it was like something that i used um for a while there just to sort of like almost self-validate because i've been in html and css for a long long time and so i'd be like man like i don't know how to do some of this stuff but like sometimes i would like watch him and go like well you could probably use a translate there and then he would say the same thing and i'm like okay a little bit of validation for myself um type thing but no those videos are really really cool so go and uh, check those out for sure on to the next one which is I mean, probably the most obvious one, to be honest, uh, is YouTube. Now, YouTube tutorials, of course, are a major staple. You know, everyone knows that they're a staple of learning online in 2023 going into 2024. Right. But you don't want to kind of step into some pitfalls. And we're going to talk about that. So if you just want to get an overall picture of what is going on, I actually do not recommend you look at a project specifically. So some people will go in and they'll be like, you know what, I'm going to go and look for this project and like see, or they'll just type in like, make an app in Svelte or something like that, make an app in React. And then they see like someone made a calculator app or whatever, and they jump right in because it's like the flashiest thing. And I actually don't recommend doing that because if you are completely like window shopping right now, you're just looking through the window. You're like, what do I do? You know, how do I get into web development? I think you should be looking for a crash course. And this is actually an inspiration um, from Pratham, which we've had on our show, because he mentioned that he said, you know, he started with just HTML crash, co- crash course, and that makes a ton of sense for window shopping. You look at HTML crash course, or you look at like a React crash course, or you do whatever just to get your, your feet wet, just to see the overall picture. And instead of you just seeing a project made, and it's, you know, obviously hyper focused on uh, on the objective of completing the project. You see this wide open array and you see each topic kind of touched on. And if you hate it, you're probably not going to like the project work. And then you can be like, whoa, that ain't for me. Like if you do not like Python, but you like JavaScript, maybe, maybe JavaScript developments in your future. But the crash courses really allow you to sort of window shop like that. And this couples with the flashy projects thing. So I mentioned, you know, if you if you just look up react project, there's pro- you're probably going to see some flashy projects. Well, let's say you're no longer window shopping and you're actually in it and you want to make you want to actually, you know, start your career or you just want to start learning some code. And so you look up, you know, a react project. YouTube is a double edged sword because of the algorithm. And of course, flashy projects are going to attract people of, from all walks of development, like senior senior engineers or or senior devs, junior devs, absolute beginners, weekend coders, whatever, it's going to attract everybody. And so it's this wide net and it's also flashy. So YouTube, chances are, are going to push that out there and people are going to want to run for it. Whereas the sort of quote unquote traditional content of you doing like JavaScript tutorial part one, that usually gets like part one, part two, et cetera. Those usually get increasingly like less views as the parts go through. And people are finding that really what you want to do is you want to have these flashy video titles. Now, this exists not just in development. This exists also in gaming as well. Back in the days, you, you just used to do Let's Play Part 1, Let's Play Part 2, and it was a game and you played through it. Those still do OK, but people will now the, like the sort of ev- ev- evolution is like people will be playing Fallout and they'll be like, this is the craziest post-apocalyptic game ever. And then when you click into it, you think, oh, this might be a commentary on it. Sometimes it is. And sometimes it's just them playing it and it's just like the crazy moments from them playing through it. And so that flashiness is the double-edged sword. How does this relate to the web development? The flashy projects that creators are making in order to, you know, have success with their channels, so I'm not faulting the creators, are good, like they're like they're, they may be good projects, but they may not be the best for your learning. Flashy projects may not be or may not contain sort of some key concepts And more specifically, may have key concepts glossed over. So let me explain. So to keep the the tutorial within a good good time, like let's say this particular creator that you follow wants to keep all their videos around 10 to 15 minutes. Well, the flashier the project and the more involved the project, either they're going to have to have two parts of which there's probably going to be a diminishing return on part two. So they're not going to want to do that. They're going to want to fit it within 10 to 15 minutes because that's the medium that they're in. And so therefore they're going to gloss over a lot more topics because there's a lot more to cover in the same amount of time. As a beginner or as somebody trying to learn, you would benefit from not having things glossed over. And there will always be some things that are glossed over, you know, we're not going to explain how Windows works in in every tutorial, but the less the least amount of glossed over topics will raise your chances of success in my opinion. And also, basic projects that have been done time and time and time again, such as a classic to-do app, is a great way to simply or as simple as possible explore key concepts. How do you make elements interactive? Maybe you add a couple of transitions and animations in the CSS. How do you save items? Okay, well, hang on. What do we got here? Well, there's cookies. Like, do we use cookies? Probably not. Okay. Local storage. Okay, cool. But then what if my friend logs in? Is he going to see my to-do app? Or no, no, he's not because he'll see the app, but he won't see my data. He won't see my to do's because it's local storage. You get to learn all those things. You get to learn dynamic states like, hey, uh, I I have three tasks. I checked off task three and it has to save that. So next time I load up, you know, my browser with the same local storage, it has to save that task three has been crossed off. It has been done. And also you, you have to learn how to do dynamic layouts. So you're not no longer just taking, say, a picture from a designer and making a layout. You have to account for a variable amount of information. If a a designer were to hand you a to-do app, like a design of one, it might have, let's say, three or five to-dos in there. But unless you're limiting the user to three to five to-dos, you have to learn how to do a layout that will handle the overflow. You know, is it scrolling inside of the div? You know, is it full screen? Is the whole screen scroll down? Is my nav bar sticky? Is a, is a compressed version of my navbar sticky? These are big questions that probably won't necessarily come up in the beginner stuff. But these are like the to do app can spark this, these questions. And so even though the to do is so simple and it's like, oh, my God, I've done this like a million times. It teaches you so many little things. So the flashiest projects are not necessarily the best. And something that I've stepped in as sort of a final note from me is that. Ensure that the video topics are relevant. So what I mean by that is obviously, obviously, if you typed in like, you know, Python crash course, and then they start like snowmobiling, maybe that's not a relevant thing. What I mean is, is you want to make sure that it's using a modern version of React. You want to make sure it's using a modern version of like, for example, you don't want to use like a super old, 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 old HTML tutorial where they're using tables for responsivity. You want to have something that's relevant. Like they want to, you want to be using the latest version of Svelte or at least the version of Svelte that you're trying to learn for example. You just want to make sure that that's true because obviously there's videos on YouTube that are, you know, potato quality because that was the best we had back then, meaning that you just been around for a long time. And so you better make sure that the tech that you're using is modern enough or the tech that you're learning is modern enough within the video. Now Mike, you have created kindly a list of Uh, creators on YouTube that you recommend for various things. Why don't you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, while you were doing that, I kind of uh, in the background was compiling my list of what I would start with, right? Like if you type into how to create a website on YouTube, you're going to get a million videos. Um, Some of them are going to be great and some of them are not going to be so great. And that's, that's, I think the biggest challenge for someone just starting out is like sifting through the just Mountains upon mountains of content on how to become a web developer. So I'm going to link a bunch of different channels here that I follow personally and that I've used in the past to like learn a new tech. The biggest one that I'll start with is probably Brad Traversy of Traversy Media. He is the he's a special his specialty is crash courses. So any new technology that comes out or gets updated or whatever, he'll have a crash course on that technology fairly quickly where he goes. Maybe not super in-depth, but enough to for you to understand how to do something. So he has crash courses on, like, full-stack full web development. He has crash courses on React. He has crash courses on Svelte. He has crash courses on just, like, CSS stuff. Like, he has crash courses on every possible web technology that you could think of, all for free on YouTube. And the way he teaches, in my opinion, is very beginner-friendly. Like, he talks at the lowest level that he can possibly – or at the highest level, I guess, that he could possibly talk – for anyone to understand. So he's a great starting point for almost any technology or almost any person that's trying to get into web development, in my opinion. Um to keep up with web development, uh fireship.io he does these little segments on like new technologies. He doesn't go into like depth on how to build something, but if you want to just understand something that's come out, he does really good like kind of news segments that are really short and filled with like humor and content and, and like in, sorry not content, but like information they're really dense uh really well edited so he's someone that i always follow he has some really good stuff on there uh net ninja i've used his tutorials here and there it's another good resource just check it out like to see if there's anything there that kind of fits you Uh, and these last kind of four that i'm going to mention are more i guess focused on certain technologies rather than focused on a general purpose like learning so the like if if brad does every technology, then the next person that I'm going to talk about, Theo, who we've had on the show before, uh, we probably will link his podcast episode if you want to hear about it, Uh, he he, focuses very heavily on Next.js, and he also does web development news, web development drama, web development stuff. So it's good to kind of follow him just to stay up to date on what's going on in the Next.js React uh, server technology kind of sphere he's also pretty entertaining I, for, for me. Like I, I follow him for that. He, you can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, next one here, Matt mentioned hyperplexed. This one is more, I guess it's not really like next JS or anything. This is more kind of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, like very core fundamental stuff. But what he does is take a really interesting concept on a, on the web that he finds like a really crazy background that moves and reacts to your mouse and stuff like that. Or something like a really cool animation that he saw on like Apple's website, right? Um, And he goes and tries to rebuild it, reverse engineer it himself in the way that he would do it. And he'll take you through like his screw ups as he's going along. He'll take you through like step by step on how you like the initial stages, because a lot of times what we think is, hey, a developer would just sit down and like code this really, really crazy animation from scratch from start to finish in one go. Really, that's not how it works. A lot of times you'll do it in phases, like, hey, if you want to have, like, a really cool animation with the background moving, the first thing you would want to do is, like, how do you track the mouse? And you would, like, do that step, right? Like, okay, the mouse tracking, you're just, like, maybe console logging where the mouse is and seeing if you can read that and do something with it. And he is really good at taking you step by step through the process of how he would go from, like, that to, like, the the very basics to the complex animation that you get in the end. It's really good to see his process. Just a shout out to a creator that I kind of interact with a lot, Joy of Code Dev. Uh, He focuses on SvelteKit. You all know I love SvelteKit. Uh, A lot of his tutorials are pretty in-depth on how to do SvelteKit. Like he has a SvelteKit crash course that I recommend almost over anything, even my own Svelte course. (laughs) Uh, He really went in-depth. It's free on YouTube. I'll have a link in the description or in the show notes, sorry. Uh, Again, if you're interested in SvelteKit, Great. If you're not, you don't really need to worry about it. um And one final one, and this is kind of a new type of tutorial that I've noticed and I've really liked, as in, from a perspective of someone that builds complex full stack applications. So this Code with Antonio on YouTube at Code with Antonio, and again, show a no, uh, link will be in the show notes. He does really in depth, longer tutorials about building like clone websites. So, for example, he'll have like from start from scratch building Netflix and he'll go all the way from like the design of Netflix to like building it to all the technology that's behind something like Netflix. Like he won't go into like scaling of of something like Netflix, but he'll get you from zero to a deployed Netflix clone with all these distributed technologies and something that you could potentially scale yourself eventually in the future if you learn, you know, more steps. His tutorials are really in depth, really long. If you want to learn like full stack web development of really interesting applications that you've already used and seen before, I highly recommend it. He uses Next.js, but again, like NextJS is a very industry standard thing. If you're learning, if you've already kind of mastered JavaScript and CSS and learned a little bit of react and you want to delve into a full stack development cycle and you want to like, you know, open up your opportunities for work. If you, you know, follow along some of these tutorials and are able to kind of iterate and maybe add on some stuff on your own, like I always suggest, this is a really good portfolio thing. Like learning how to do this and then iterating and creating something on your own, similar to what he's done, is going to look really good in your GitHub, and your portfolio. I can almost guarantee you that because it combines like all the newest technologies and it makes you into a machine.
1: And with that, that concludes the video content, but... I mean, I'm probably just going to like glaze over this, I suppose, but blogs and guides are yet another thing that you can go and look at if you if you would prefer sort of YouTube like tutorials, I guess. But in a written form and there are countless blogs out there that will help you learn web development for free. So blogs are obviously a great way to get started learning. And this is because sometimes you just can't have the sound on or you don't have the the time, the uninterrupted time necessary to watch a video. So you can sort of like read a paragraph, stop, read a paragraph, stop. This is especially helpful. Like I said, holiday season right now, maybe you're going to be, you know, kind of interrupted by family members off and on or whatever. Also for offline use, if you are traveling for the holidays, I suppose you can also easily print pages to PDF for offline use and then use those, read those PDFs on your tablet or on your phone or whatever. And you can also, of course, even print it onto paper if you like taking paper notes, if you have some sort of learning notebook and you you can make some notes and such like that in the margins and whatever on the actual physical paper. Also, there's no timeline scrolling or maybe time, I don't know what the kids call it now. Basically, what it is, is instead of you going back and forth, being like, what did he say? What are he saying? You keep going back to the two minute mark. Listen to what he said back to the two minute marks. You didn't quite understand it. This is you can keep the paragraph right in front of your face. You can just keep rereading it if you need to. You don't have to keep scrolling back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out what he said. So the blog just stops wherever you wherever you stop, obviously. So you can keep rereading like what, what is a Navicon? What's a hamburger menu? What does that mean? What does that mean? And also same sort of warning with the YouTube videos. Ensure that the blog posts are relevant, meaning they're you know state of the art enough, such as they have the the most modern version or at least the version that you're trying to learn of React or Svelte or those type of things, because I've definitely fallen into that trap. Oh, I actually used the wrong version of Svelte. Had no idea. Now I'm trying to use a, new, a more modern tutorial. Not working. What's going on? Oh, in the wrong version. You just want to avoid that if you can. And finally, if you prefer a more sort of uh, formal course structure, there are some on YouTube, of course, but there are places that will offer and give you free uh, sort of education, if you will. Um, The first one is Free Code Camp. So Free Code Camp, of course, has certifications and activities and you know a course really on courses rather i should say on html css javascript node.js python the list goes on and on and on you can go on there learn a bunch of stuff uh they they boast on their website that their uh, graduates or their students have you know gotten jobs at big companies like microsoft and those type of things so definitely check out free code camp you know, you have nothing to lose there. You can you know start something up. If you don't like it, you just leave. <laughs> and That's it. But uh, I it's been a long time since I've personally done any free code camp uh, courses. But when I did them, I enjoyed them They're They were very hands on. And so go and check them out for some free education. And also, this is one I've heard. This next one is one I've heard off and on, off and on quite a bit. Uh, but I've never actually gone to the site. I've never looked it up or anything like that until today. And that is the Odin Project. So I just learned today, quite literally, I just like quickly skimmed their site. They have a free full stack curriculum, including uh, a foundations course. And they introduce you to things like, you know, what, like, what what's going on, what, what, what you'll be doing uh, there. They get kind of really into the nitty gritty with the prerequisites. So they teach you like, OK, you need a text editor. How does the web work? Things like that. Something that Mike and I have discussed in other episodes is they will touch on Git and version control. So they will touch on Git basics. They touch on HTML, CSS basics. They touch on Flexbox, which is, of course, part of CSS. They touch on JavaScript. And then you kind of choose a path after the foundations. So as uh, as of this episode, when I went there, they had two pathways you could take. They had full-stack JavaScript or full-stack Ruby on Rails, and within them, they had a few courses. I think it might have been six courses or something like that in each. Uh, I'm just saying that from memory. I don't know for sure, but basically, you get to choose a path like, hey, I want to go into JavaScript, and then you'll learn more advanced JavaScript. Hey, I want to go into Ruby on Rails. You'll learn advanced, more advanced Ruby on Rails, and hopefully, you know, this will help you eventually land a job or be able to build the project that you want to do. And then, of course, the thing, the one place that Mike and I are affiliated with, which is Scrimba. So Scrimba, they have free courses as well. So obviously we always say, you know, use our link for the discount code to their paid subscriptions, but there are free courses on there. And I do encourage you to go on there and check it out because you may as well go check it out. Check their, their learning, their learning method, if you will, because they do have that interactive media player code editor. There's free courses on something like HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And when I was starting to write content for the site, I believe it was CSS variables. I went in and before we were affiliated at all, at all with Scrimba, I went in and took their, their CSS course, their CSS variables course. And it was just, you know, whatever, 30, 40 minute video, whatever it was. And I like went in there to like refresh myself on CSS variables so that I could write up a, a proper blog post on the topic. And that's exactly what I did. So you can go check that out. Ah, uh, see if you like their interactive code media code editor. So what I mean by that, just to sort of dive into it a little bit, is basically if the instructor is, you know, in this particular case going to uh, writing up a CSS variable and you might go, oh, well, can I actually declare it like this? You can actually pause the video, go right into the code, interactively, right in the media editor, or right into the code editor in, in the media player and play with the code that's on the screen. You can actually go in and be like, oh, do I have to use this keyword? Can I use this? Can I have numbers in here? Is a dash okay?" And you can try it. You can play and try to break with whatever the instructor has done. So it's more interactive than you being like, "Okay, I have to wait sort of like in a traditional classroom, I have to wait for the teacher to stop talking, to ask a question. I might forget that question by the time they're done talking, that type of thing. So this allows you to stop and mess around with it, it also prevents a little bit of that timeline scrubbing or whatever the heck the kids call it where you can actually just pause in a place and just keep messing with it, messing with it, messing with it to try to learn and interact with it figure it out. So if you want to expand, if you, if you want to expand your learning and you want to actually, you know, pay for it, you can use our link to get a discount on their subscriptions. Like I said, scrimma.com slash link slash hat and that's H-A-T-T. We'll check that out. And also, Mike, you have a mention about a West Boss course. What's that all about?
2: Yeah, I feel like I mentioned this one in every like roundup of courses that we've ever done, but it's because I think it's a very practical thing. So it's the JavaScript 30. It's part, it's the free part of West Boss's like full-on JavaScript course. His JavaScript course is paid, so you have to pay for it. But the JavaScript 30 section of it is free. And what it is, is 30 JavaScript projects that you can follow along with Boss and create them. And it should like each project will teach you progressively more complex and different elements of JavaScript. So by the time you finish 30 projects, you're going to have a very good understanding of all the different JavaScript APIs, like browser APIs, concepts, like obviously if statements like uh, uh, for loops and stuff like that. And you're just going to have also a bunch of projects in your portfolio. Yes, the portfolio is just repeated projects and it's not the greatest thing ever. But if you if you take my suggestion of taking a project and then altering it, that all of a sudden does become a portfolio project, right? Like As long as you're not copying word for word and you're going in and you're understanding the code and you're able to change it in multiple ways, that becomes your project. That's how development is in general. Like you don't you shouldn't be shot. You shouldn't shy away from doing that. Like and putting that on your resume, like not on your resume, but in your portfolio, in my opinion, uh, maybe take the, the top five projects that you think from that 30, alter them in some way, maybe combine them in some way and put that in your portfolio. So, like, it's a really, really good way of learning JavaScript. I've talked to many people that have gone through it and have become better developers at the end, because, again, it comes down to you have to be practical, like you have to practice learn like theoretical stuff in javascript or in coding yes it's important to understand the funda- fundamental concepts of programming if you take the cs50 course of uh, that harvard offers for free that like under like takes you through computer science fundamentals from start to finish yeah that's going to give you a lot for sure but the reality is is that after that you're not you can't get a job with that. <laughs> there's no way you need to take the fundamental knowledge that you have And put it into practice and make sure that you can get through building a project, editing it, going through the debugging process, putting it in production, you know, like iterating on it, gathering the requirements for it. There's so many steps that you need to learn. And the only way to learn those steps is to just dive in and struggle through and hit roadblocks, roadblocks, get past them, figure out how to figure out how to figure shit out. Essentially, that's the really important part. And JavaScript 30 is a good way to start with that. Again, it's a basic, it's a fundamental level of JavaScript course, but it does teach you a lot.
1: And on top of that, on ter- uh, top of the courses you mentioned, there is, you added an interactive section uh, to this podcast. Like, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I see Floor and Pop in there. I see Type Hero. Like wh- what's the, what's the interactivity part that you added here?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so essentially like there's this new version of, I've, uh, Of ways to learn development and one of those is like this competition style so essentially with icode this this is florin pop's new project website uh what it allows you to do is every day it'll give you a new little project whether it be just like hey build this leaderboard or build this uh build this little app right like it's usually something you can do in a day without too much of an issue right and it, it's up to you in to interpret certain things. It'll give you like extra bonus points for doing certain things. And then you submit that project to the app. And in the app, someone will go through and rank them. And like you can get points based on your submissions. So, like every day, you can first of all, it forces you again to build. And then you can get evaluated for your work, which is really tough when you're first starting out. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Now there is a paid portion to iCode this. It's not completely free, but to get started and to just try out the new projects that are submitted, that's free. So it's important. Like I think it, it does fit into this like web development resources for free because there is a free element to it. Uh, but if you really like it, I like again, it's a really good way to connect with the community as well because a lot of the community members that do this talk to each other. There's a Discord. Uh, people talk about it on Twitter and share their progress. It, it it kind of fills a lot of gaps, in my opinion, when you're first starting out. And the next thing here, Type Hero. So this is more a little bit more advanced. I just added it as like a thing that I added it here because I'm actually planning on doing it during this holiday break. So Type Hero is a similar thing to I Code this, uh, but it's for TypeScript. So every day there's going to be a new TypeScript challenge or something like that, or there's already a bunch of TypeScript challenges on there. And like, especially during the holidays, they're doing this like Advent of TypeScript, where every day there's like a little weird elf, uh, like Santa-themed description of something that you need to build in TypeScript. TypeScript, and you build it, and uh, I think you submit it, and it also gets evaluated, something like that. So it's a way for you to again expand your skills in a very specific landscape, like a very specific language, TypeScript. Uh, but it's a new style of learning tool that I think is going to really take off. Because it forces you to code and get evaluated for that code. And that's really difficult. Like on a grand scale, it's really difficult to get uh, any feedback when you're first starting out. Like getting a mentor, getting anything, it's really difficult. And one thing, another kind of suggestion that I just thought of that we've talked about before is when you're first starting out, it's you could also use AI. So you can use ChatGPT to feed in the code that you've written and ask for feedback. Feedback is a game changer. Believe me on this. When I first started out, I did not get feedback. I was getting very little, you know, review code reviews. I was getting very little mentorship and that stunted my ability to learn hundred percent. I would have rather gotten chewed out. I would have rather gotten like, you know, r- my code ripped apart, told me where I'm wrong right away so that I could of course correct it immediately and gone to a better, more structured design process and a better, more structured coding process. So you have to be open for that. And there are tools out there that can help you. And again, chat GPT is one of them. And these other ones, like I code this type hero and stuff like that can help you get there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to have a lot of links in the description or a lot of links in the, uh, in the show notes for this episode, for sure. So if you're you know sitting there enjoying your holidays, which I hope you are, and you're like, man, I wouldn't mind, you know, kickstarting my career or learning new- some new skills like Mike's going to do with type hero, go check out uh, the show notes on htmlallthethings.com because there's going to be a lot of resources in this one for sure you can watch you can read you can do courses you can do whatever the heck else there's a whole bunch of stuff in here so go check that out and that's it that concludes this episode remember we are on patreon that is patreon.com slash html all the things so if you want to support episodes like this go check it out did i say the thing that i go html Did i say the link My brain is melting. That did. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Thanks to our $3 tier patrons. Better end this episode because we have a second. We're recording two episodes today, too. So I better I better stop talking now while I still have some talking juice left in my brain. I don't know if that's a thing. Anyway, $3 tier patrons. Ryan Gastro from Blue Black Digital and BlueBlackDigital.com. Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com. Michael Carey from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca. Megan from YesWeb via YesWeb.se. Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff and Kale, Fire End Season via FireEndSeason.com, Gunner Burnett via GunnerBurnett.com, Watoto Coding via WatotoCoding.com, Garrett Segal and Level Up Financial Planning via www.LevelUpFinancialPlanning.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform you're listening to this on and this outro. Well, wait, hang on. Forgot something. i the give a shout out to a contributing author on the website, Michael LaRocca, He's a contributing author and has been for a while on HTML, all the things. So I want to give him a shout out. And he, and he is the author of the Self Taught, the X-Generation blog at SelfTaughtTXG.com. Now I'm done talking until the next episode, which you'll hear next week. But it's happening now. Feel free to leave a comment or review in the platform listening to this on. And we are signing off.
0: You've been listening to HTML, all the things podcast Signing off.